First Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. Boy, don't sing like that unless you want to get me fired up. Amen. I'll tell you what, I didn't come. I didn't come here to sleep. Amen. Now, if you sleep, now next Sunday is going to be an exciting Sunday. How many knows what's going on next weekend? What's next weekend? Deer season. I'm going to preach on Nimrod, the mighty hunter, one of the wickedest men in the Bible. Amen. I'm going to preach on the wickedness of deer hunting. Wickedness of deer hunting. Go out there and kill them little bambies. I tell you what, no mercy whatsoever. Oh, just feeding your vanity with a big rack. Oh, look what I killed. You put your pickup bed down, tailgate down, prayed that thing around. You don't close your tailgate up, you know. You want every, you know, you, you make, you know, they know how to do it. They bring the head around the tailgate, Danny. Barely where you ain't falling out. Tie his back feet up to the front of the truck, you know, instead of closing the thing up and being modest about it and being thankful that God just gave him a deer. I'm going to drive around the square and drive back and forth to town, you know, with that buck hanging out. Just full of vanity, wickedness, amen. Anyway, some of them women do too. I heard some of them, they're Waltice girls. Yeah, Waltice girls kill them, kill them little deer and stuff like that. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing, it's all right if you kill a deer, but you better give me that tenderloin. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, amen. Uh, we got to get to preaching, amen. First Timothy chapter one, is everybody there? Well, that's about a half cock deal. You folks online, I told somebody, I said, if I ain't here, I'm going to be there. If I get there, I won't be here. Amen. But I hope that you got your Bible open. If you don't, both put that up on the screen. If you don't care, put 1 Timothy chapter 1 up there. And we're going to kind of review a little bit and then we'll go get into message today. Uh, Timothy, of course, written, Paul wrote to Timothy and it's a, a primarily and, and a great instructional book to pastors and young preachers getting started and pa- old pastors about to finish. Boy, I tell you, it is. And I'm, uh, that's the truth. <coughs> but we talked in verse number one where he said, the Lord Jesus Christ is our hope. And he is our hope. Amen. Our hope is not in our money. Our hope is not in the U.S. government. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And then he said unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. We talked about that you need somebody who's a son in the faith. And that grace and mercy and peace, and that's the exact order that God gives salvation. He gives the grace of God, his mercy, and that brings the peace of God from, our, from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse number three, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, he said, I want you to stay someplace. Sometimes you need to stay put. Amen. Where I went, uh, when, when I went to Mass, and then there's other times when God told Paul to go. And if he says stay, stay, and if he says go, go. You know, anyway, I won't get off on that. <laughs> when I went to Macedonia, for that, thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, a, a preacher's primary responsibility is to preach the doctrine of the Bible. And the doctrine of the Bible, prim- first of all, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he needs to preach creation. He needs to preach the fall. He needs to preach redemption. He needs to preach the whole counsel of God. And God wants preachers to, and I'm going to also say this, that America doesn't need a a new president near as bad as they need a bunch of preachers. I'm going to tell you, the presidents and senators are not going to save this country. Let me tell you what could save this country is a bunch of God-called, Holy Ghost-filled preachers that's got the fire of God in them the heart, uh, and a heart for people and a heart for the Word of God and truth and God to help them. But anyway, they, he was warning him about, don't let them teach no other doctrine. And then last week we talked about neither giving heed to fables. We talked about old Joe Smith and his golden plates and all that Mormon fabulism and, and, uh, and all that Campbell business and all that Job and all that and, uh, and Muhammad and all that stuff, a bunch of fables, then endless genealogies, we talked about that, 
which minister questions. Now, you want to be careful about being around something that just ministers questions. And always the question is what Satan did. Yea, hath God said. First thing he ever said in the Bible. Let's record it. Now, verse number, he said, rather than godly edifying. And I'll tell you something, when we're out among our people this week, God help us to stalk in a way that would edify people godly. I mean, that's what people need. People need godly edifying, which is in faith so do. Now, <coughs> we kind of finished up right here that the end of the commandment is charity. Now, uh, some people all the time talk about the Ten Commandments. Well, there were two commandments that were given before the Ten Commandments, and that is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus, when he got New Testament, said that all these other commandments hang upon these two. Now, there's nobody in here that's loved the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. But you wouldn't need a Savior if you did. And then there's nobody in here that loves their neighbor as good as yourself. If you, I ain't met, met a man like that. But anyway, uh, those, are, those are higher laws. <clears throat> and what he's going to get to here is this. Timothy, you're pastoring that church and you're dealing with people about their spiritual life. You lift them out of, watch this, out of the law into love. And you get people loving God, loving each other, you won't have much trouble about them keeping the law. And there'll be a lot of other junk taken care of as a result of love. And so he said the end of the commandment is charity. Now, charity, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's kind, suffer long, so forth. Uh, God said you give your body to be burned and have not charity. God says you give everything away that you've got, not have charity. God says you can be a prophet and know all kinds of mysteries of the Bible and everything else and not have charity. And that's just the honest truth. Kind, it suffereth long, endureth all things, and so forth. It tells about that. But it said there's three things here that this charity needs to come out of, or it's not genuine biblical charity. Now watch this, because the devil tried to make us think that we're exercising charity when we're not at all. He said, out of a pure heart. Why do you do what you do? <clears throat> What's the motivation? Why do I preach? Why do I pastor? Why do we sing? Why do we go to church? What's the motivations for what you're doing? Charity has to come out of a pure heart. Has to have the right motives. A man passes away. He's your neighbor. He passes away. He leaves his wife a widow. You go over and help her. Why? You're trying to soften her up so you can get stuff that he left? Charity has become one of the biggest businesses in the world. People have gotten phenomenally rich off of establishing charities. <clears throat> this is why the U.S. government and many people in America don't like churches anymore because churches are considered to be charitable things. In other words, you give your money to a church, it's not tax, it's, it's, you can take it off your taxes. But when they see priests pedophiling young children and they see preachers running around in jets living in, you know, 45,000 square foot mansions, they're saying, this ain't about charity. This, this is about them getting rich. Well, this is about them fulfilling their lust and their pleasure and their, their vile wickedness. And so they say they're not really a charity. Charity, first of all, glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in line with the purposes and the motivations of God Almighty. And I want to tell you right now, if a widow, if there's a man dies near you and you're trying to be nice to her, you better make sure your motivations is right. You better be, you, you better, I'll tell you what, when, you, when that guy walks around there farm and says, boy, I sure do like that tractor he had. You ain't going to need that tractor, are you? Well, I don't know. Probably, oh, I can't drive a tractor. I'd give you $2,000 for it. You know it's worth ten. 
Your charity, you, you went over and mowed her grass. Why did you mow her grass for? You hope she'll remember you instead of the kids in the will? This Bible will get down to where you live. And Paul told Timothy, he said, you've got to get deeper than the surface. He said, you've got to make, if you're, he said, we're going to, God wants to lift you out of law into charity. But he said, make sure that charity is coming out of a pure heart, that your motivations for doing it are for God's glory and their good and not what you can get out of people. <clears throat> I'm just going to say this. Now you listen to me good. I'm going to get bones honest with you. I have to watch my motivations about preaching. And I have to watch my motivations as to why I want people to come to this church. Danny, if I'm not careful, make me look good. Now, come on, say amen. We all have to watch our motivations. I never will forget one time, and this is where the Lord really got a hold of me about this because I hadn't picked up my pride. But when I was, when the pulpit was up there and the church was this way, this part wasn't in here. <clears throat> and on a Sunday night, and uh, it's just about, uh, church had just got started and the church was full and Boyd Hoffer, or maybe it was a Sunday morning, I believe it was a Sunday morning, and my cousin Boyd Hoffer, who was a pastor evangelist in northern Missouri, southern Iowa, walked in. And I'm telling you what, God revealed my heart so fast, make your head swim. You know the first thought that went through my head? I remember it so well and how, how fast God rebuked me. I remember thinking, boy, boy, will be impressed by the, you know, large crowd here. And God says, yeah, is that, is that, I guess this is all about your glory, huh, Reggie? Do we want people to come to church for God's glory or for, for what? When preachers say they want people to get saved, is it for God's glory so they can go down to coffee shop Monday morning and tell some other preacher they had three saved yesterday? Just being honest with you. When you have baptism service, is it because for God's glory, is it, is, it come, is it charity? Is it love coming out of a pure heart? Or is it a heart that's got everything concocted around to bring it into me? Now, I'm just being rank honest with you. If you say you don't fight those things, I'm glad for you. But I'm telling you, I have to check the pureness of my heart. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it honest to goodness for God's glory? Is it to get attention? Is it to make people feel sorry for me? Why, do I, why am I nice to you if I'm in business? So you do business with me? If I wasn't in business, would I treat you the same way as if I am in business? Why do I smile when you walk in? Why do I greet you? What's my motivations for what I'm doing? Why am I nice to people? Why am I kind to people? Why do I smile? Why do I say hi? I will tell you this. <clears throat> one, of the first, one of the things I try to pray on my drive back from my mother's every Sunday morning, God help me to die to myself right now. To die to any approval, disapproval, anything. God help me to die right now. Because our hearts, we can, we can, we can use charity for bad purposes. It, and it becomes not charitable. It becomes a lie quiet in here it's okay all right we didn't come how many came because you wanted me to soap the back of your head okay i'm preaching to myself well as you are look at the next thing charity out of a pure heart secondly have a good conscience good conscience there's a reason that america's full of pills i'm just gonna be honest with you now hang on if you do not have a good conscience 
It'll drive you to depression and it'll mess your mind up. You need to have a clear conscience. And that just simply means clear your conscience with God, confess your sin, don't justify it, rationalize it, or blame it. Just say, God, I have sinned. And when just to people, because Paul said one of the main things he did in his entire life, and Paul, I mean, he's in ministry, he said, is make sure my conscience is clear before men, that I have a good conscience before men. If you've done somebody wrong, go to them and say, listen, God, has, watch this, this is important. God has shown me how I've wronged you, and I've come to ask you to forgive me. Don't say anything like, well, I did you wrong, but you did me wrong, and I, I just want to get things fixed. Don't say that. You just make things worse. Don't say anything about what they did to you. Most of the time, they have done something to you you wouldn't have a problem to start with. But say what God has dealt with you, just say, listen, God, show me that I didn't speak to you right or I didn't have the right attitude or whatever it is, and go and, and, and just say, listen, God, and it's very important to say this, God has shown me. God has shown me. That takes away your pride, takes away your intellect, takes away your spirituality. It gives glory to God. It has shown me that I've wronged you and I've come to make it right. Maybe owing of money, it may be, uh, you know, whatever it might be. It might be a bill that you have fussed over, stuff like that. I have to do this with my wife. It's hard because I'm very, very seldom wrong. <laughs> and, aren't I, honey? I'm very seldom wrong. <clears throat> She's over nodding her head. Honey, you better ask God to forgive you for that. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, you know, when the, listen to me. When the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, it's just the truth about us. And it can get so deceitful and so down underneath there that we don't even realize you know, what we're doing. And we're just doing it. Well, of a good conscience. And I would just encourage it. Now, don't, don't do it. I'm not for a lot of self-introspection and just making yourself out to be a bad person all the time. But I'm saying when the Lord honestly deals with you and says, hey, Reg, you didn't do that person right. Go fix it. Go do it. Just shell off the pride and go do it. But what happens is your conscience gets violated and it messes your mind up. Because you're constantly having to rationalize what you did and what you said and what you've done wrong. And that's going against the law of God about righteousness. And you're running in violation against the God of the universe and it's going to mess your mind up. It's going to make you think stupid. It's going to make you think backward. Then he said the third thing is this charity, the end of lost charity, out out of faith and fame. Fame means, how many ever heard of a fainting goat? (laughs) You know, fame means fake, false, not real. God says, you make sure that your charity is out of real faith. Now, what's that mean? That your charitable acts and your charitable things that you're doing are out, based out of your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, this is why, I'll be honest with you, I don't give to, I don't hardly give to any kind of charitable organizations because most of them are not truly faith-based. You know, and I, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, but I believe in helping people. I they do it secretly and you give to, you give to the church. And that's what I, I, I just... But here's the thing. True charity that glorifies God has to be done out of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Faith and faith can't be fake. In other words, you can't be acting like you're a Christian organization, appealing for money and stuff like this. And but your real goal is self, you know, self enrichment. And and it can't be that you're just talking about Jesus to get people to give. I I just heard actually read the other day. I, I don't know this guy, but he was down in Texas. Uh, I guess he was real famous in the South. You might help me, folks in Louisiana. 
and anyway, uh, he, he would have people to, he had, I guess, big TV show and all this stuff and radio shows. Anyway, he would tell people, send in stuff, and they would pray for him, send in their prayer requests, he'd pray. Well, they found all these prayer uh, uh, requests in dumpsters. <clears throat> and they and, and they got to inter- they they got to interviewing people that worked for him, and they said we never pray over them. Said so we just take the checks and the money out and throw throw the letters away. That's faith and that's feigned faith. They were portraying we're going to pray for you, we're going to help you, we love you, we care about your life. They didn't care nothing about them. Yeah. They, and the government came in on the guy, and it's just a huge huge mess. <clears throat> now, here's what. Watch this. There's these three three things in verse number six is which some having swerved have turned aside into vain jangling. This is what will happen when your uh, charity is not of a pure heart and you don't have a good conscience and you don't have faith unfeigned. Your your faith is fake. What will happen is you'll swerve. Now, if I was going to title this message anything, how does the wreck occur? How did the wreck happen? How many has ever had a Has there been been doing this here and trying to how many has ever done this and drive? One, two, I'm going to tell the cops on you. But I'm going to tell you one of the most dangerous things you can do is text while you drive. Isn't that right? I mean, I'm telling you, just how many would say, you know what, before God Almighty, I'm going to try not to do that. I, I want you to live a while. Okay? I want you to live a while. Texting, and I want somebody else to live a while. You texting might not get you. It's so sad here just recently, a lady, uh, anyway, I won't go into it, but, mm. <clears throat> been a lot of wrecks because of texting. And it's just a sad, sad situation. And, uh, but texting, and I'm, I hate to say this, but I've tried to dial while I'm driving. And how many ever looked up and you're just about to go into a fence post or a tree? A little bit more, and you'd been off. And that can happen. And I, I don't think a person malicious about that, but boy, I tell you what, it's dangerous to dial or to text while you're driving. Well, what happens is you swerve. Are you listening? Now, I said right here, something caused these people to swerve. What caused preachers, watch this, what caused preachers who used to believe the Bible, who used to believe the truth, or Christians who claim that they believe it, they don't believe it anymore? What caused it? Right here it is. It's faith unfeigned, wasn't real. Didn't have good conscience. Didn't have a pure heart. God says what will become of you is you'll swerve. And if you swerve long enough and bad enough, you're going to wreck. And this is how Paul was telling Timothy how to keep people's lives from being train wrecked or car wrecked and keep them from swerving. And a lot of people in the swerving business, we swerved a long way in America. I was thinking this morning when my mother told me that my grandpa, whom I did not hardly know at all, was an unsaved man and yet enforced biblical living at their home and prayed every night in family devotions, got on his knees with them every night. That's where America used to be, unsaved men. They might not have been saved, but they still wanted the influence of Christ and the Bible on the lives of their children and their homes and their families and their nation. We swerved a long way. We swerved in what we allow. We swerved in what we consider to be right and wrong. We swerved in manhood. We've swerved in womanhood. We've swerved in dress. We've swerved in permitted conduct. And it's train wrecking this nation. And it came out of false faith. And it came out of consciences violated. 
who would not who would not deal with the truth about themselves. And it came out of that charity that their hearts were not pure in what they were doing. <clears throat> now, let me tell you where this heads to. And this is so because you and I are living in a, in, a, in a day and an age we're able to look back and see this literally happening before our eyes. Now, let me, I want to say something to you this morning. I've been thinking about this all week. You may come into church, you may think, well, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with me, but I want to go to church and, and you, know, I, I, you know, I want to be in church. Everything that you're going to see tomorrow and hear in your culture is directed back to this. A culture is either biblically affected or unbiblically affected. So everything is happening to you and every deal you're dealing with, you, you, if you'll trace it back, what has happened is it'll be because of swerving away from the doctrines of the Bible and the truth of the Bible. So it does affect the way you live. The fact that you can't trust anybody's word in America. The fact that you have no clue really what somebody's thinking. I mean, I mean, I just, you know, the, the craziness that's going on in this land. Now watch what's happening here, and I want to show you something. Desiring, now he said, from some which having swerved had turned aside into vain jangling. I'm going to say something to you this morning. That I believe most preaching in America now has become vain jangling. It's vain, it's empty of the Word of God. They spend more time telling you nothing than telling you anything. Isn't it amazing how much they can say nothing and never have told you anything? And they'll spend you more time telling you what what that word should should it means in the Greek and the Hebrew. That's vain jangling. They do well to tell you what it means in English. Now I'm not against. I'm not against getting an expanded definition of a word. I'll give you a wonderful example of, 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 the, of a benefit, maybe, of looking at a Greek or Hebrew definition. In Galatians, where it says the word witchcraft, the Greek word for that is pharmacia. It's the dispension of demons through drugs, and that's exactly what happens. I can tell you right now, you think, some of you sitting out here, you think marijuana is fine? I'm going to tell you, you go and get demon-possessed mess with that junk. Say demons, demons come through people's minds. That's why your old timers used to call it liquor spirits. And you messing around with that dope and you're going to get demon infested. That's what's going to happen to you. That's just exactly what's going to happen to you. So there is sometimes some good that can come out of, and it, but not to go in and criticize and say, hey, that shit. Witchcraft's a pretty strong word. Witchcraft's what, it, what, what, the, what God told the, the translators to write it down as witchcraft. Everybody understands witchcraft. If he'd have wrote pharmacy, we'd have thought, well, what's wrong with the pharmacy? Yeah. See? But witchcraft, what he's telling you is that, the, that Satan is involved in this stuff that makes your mind and your, and, your, and your heart liquor or drugs or anything that alters your mind out of the normal. Is, Satan will come in on you fast. You'll do stuff when you was drunk. Why does a boy want to get a girl drunk? Can anybody tell me? He knows she'll do things drunk she'd never do sober. Why does he want her to smoke that, do- do- that joint of marijuana? Same reason. The Bible said, if thou be a man given appetite, put a knife to thy throat. He's not with you. He's just feeding you to get you. Well, vain jangling. Now watch this. This is amazing how God wrote things. He said, they turned aside into vain jangling. Instead of preaching the doctrine of the Bible and preaching what the Bible says, they desire to be teachers. Now I'm thinking about Bible college professors who ain't never won nobody to Christ. 
But they up there teaching other men how to pastor a church, and they've never pastored a church. Oh, they might have, but it didn't work out too good for them, so they went to Bible college and started teaching. Okay? Now, what are they going to teach? What's this? Desiring to be teachers of the law. Hmm. Instead of teaching love, they're teaching law. Now, we're going to get this a little bit. Now, watch this. Watch this statement. This is so up to date. Understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. All right. <clears throat> Let me give you an example of this. All right. These are the critics. These are the correctors. And these are the corruptors of the word of God. Amen. Now, I gave you an example of that in the Bible. There was a woman who the Bible said in John 11 was taken in adultery in the very act. Right. Now, had these Pharisees come in with her, right? And they said, watch it, desiring to be teachers of the law, but neither understanding what they're saying or where they have the firm. Now, firm means where's the authority for what you're teaching? You get me? All right. They come up there and they drag her up there and they say, Moses said in the law, there it is, stoner, what do you say? And you know the story. Jesus didn't answer me. He knelt out and wrote the word. And then pretty soon looked at him and said, he's without sin. Let him cast first stone. Now everybody wants to make that out to be some, uh, that Jesus just excuses sin and he only has mercy. And, there's, and, there's, and that's not that at all. Right. What they were doing was using, and we're going to get this just missed right in the next verse. They're going to use the law unlawfully. Yeah. How many knows the law can be used unlawfully? Yeah. That's what's going on in America right now. Okay, but historically, people take the Bible, the law of the Bible, and use it unlawfully. And those guys were doing that. What did the law really say? The law said that if you, if there's a man and a woman, both caught in the act, that they're both to be stoned. You don't just stone one. So see, they were using the law. They They weren't using the law right. They were using the law to condemn people. Let me give you a second one. When you use the law to tell people that they can be saved by being good and keeping the law. That's a lie. That's, that's misusing the law. The law never saves nobody. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I mean, it's over and over in your Bible. The law cannot save, will not save. But when you use the law telling people that, well, if you do this and this and this, you might make it to heaven. You're using the law unlawfully, okay? Now, here's the thing. Now, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to hammer this in. Look at verse number seven. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. What's that mean? They have no authority for what they're saying. And this is what has happened with your translations all out here, all these new revisions of the Bible. Well, my Bible says, well, my Bible says, well, the Greek should have said, the Hebrew should have said, and it's every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. Okay. And they have no basis of affirmation for it. Let me just tell you something about that Bible on that pulpit right there. That Bible is preserved by God Almighty. It is his word. He says it is. He calls it his word. All right. So what these teachers do is they start all this. They, they, they mangle it all up, misrepresent it, use it wrongfully, and then they come back, and here's where they crush faith. They have no place to affirm it. Well, in the Greek, it should have said this. What are they doing? They don't have no affirmation. Let me give you an illustration of this. This morning, a guy wrote on, wrote on my, one of my comments on a deal, and it was about sodomites, Okay. 
He said it's evident and clear that you don't know the Bible. God is love and God, Jesus died for all of us. And it's clear that you don't know the gospel. Can anybody tell me what, they were, what he was doing? He was using the law unlawfully. I never said anything about Jesus not dying for our sins. I never said a thing about that they couldn't be saved. I said what the Bible says about it. You know what I wrote back to him? You're the one who doesn't love because you've already sold yourself out. If you loved them, you would warn them that they're going to hell if they don't repent and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's who really doesn't love. What are they using? They're using the law, see, unlawfully and twisting it around. Let me just tell you where you're at in your culture right now. You're a racist. You're a racist. You're a homophobic. Shame on you. You're an old white man. Shame on you. Amen. I like old white men. Woo! Yes, sir. You can like it or lump it. America was built by old white men. And their wives and their kids. Blacks too, right? Hispanics too, right? But how come all of a sudden old white men are bad people? Because they're trying to destroy your heritage. That's why. Can I tell you something? They, what, I, I hate to disappoint you. Now listen, you say, you're a racist. Because you'll come where you want to. But there wasn't one Hispanic man who helped write the Constitution. There wasn't one, one black man who helped write the Constitution. You don't like it? I could care less. Because it's the truth. Does that mean that blacks and Hispanics? No. I'm just going to tell you, where, where, you know what the secret is? Your European white people are the ones where the gospel went up. The Apostle Paul... Antioch, the gospel went up in Europe. Africa rejected it. Asia rejected it. And Europe received it. And that European includes England. And that's God said, I'm going to work through those people. And they were the ones who God allowed to come over here and start this nation. Has nothing to do with racism, but they want to make you feel bad. So I'm going to tell you, this whole church, I want you to learn something this morning, all right? You don't let these people use the law unlawfully on you. Amen. Don't you? Oh, we got it. I mean, everybody in America, you, America makes me want to vomit. we crowd, crowd. I'm not racist. I'm not homophobic. No, no, no. Please don't say that about me. Amen. Who said you were to start with? I don't fear queers. I want them to be saved. I don't have, I, I don't have anything. They're, I'm just telling you right now. Uh, but now bank robbers, I don't want them to be saved. Oh, you're bank phobic. You're bank robber phobic. <laughs> I think everybody ought to get saved except a uh, rapist. I'm a rapophobic. Oh, you're against racist. I mean, you're against rapist. Are you really against rapist? Huh? You really are against rape? Are you against rapist? You're a racist phobic. Oh, pedophile. Are you against pedophiles? You are. You're a pedophilophobic. See, that's how they're working you. That's how they're working. They use the law unlawfully. They flip the thing on you and make you feel like you're the, you're the criminal just for standing up for truth and for what's right. Isn't this stupid? That's why God let you come to church this morning. Amen. Some of you, all of you know this. It's just sometimes we need to get this straight. Stealing is wrong. Lying is wrong. And the law is good. How many wants everybody to steal and lie all the time? No, you don't. It's, the law is good, but it can be used unlawfully. Give you another example. 
Supreme Court, 1973, January 22nd. You can kill a baby in the womb. That's totally against God's law and totally against the law of the United States Constitution, 14th Amendment, in, in, in preamble, the right to liberty, life. We've stolen the right to life from those children. But they use the law, quote, unlawfully. We did it with, with same-sex marriage. It's against the law of God. Jesus said from the beginning it was male and female, husband and wife. All this stupid stuff about pronouns. I'll tell you that. Don't, don't start on me. Don't start on me. You ain't going to change my vocabulary. I'll tell you another thing. I preach this. I, 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 say, I say the same thing over at Facebook game where I out it. If they'll invite me, I'll come. I'm going to tell you, the truth will set you free, and you don't have to be ashamed of it either. Amen. They might kill you. They might spit on you. But the truth still the truth. Amen. They crucified Christ. And I just want this church, and I, anybody listen to it, you don't have to be scared of that bunch. They walk up, oh, you're racist. You're racist. You're racist. You need to learn CRT. You need to have stuff in your school. Oh, you don't want CRT in your school? You're racist. You're a white supremacist. Are you, Bobby, you're a white supremacist? What's all that about? is to cow you down, make you feel like you're a criminal if you don't go along with their stupidity. That's all it's about. Don't let them do that. That's what Paul is telling Timothy in the religious world. You don't let these guys who are criticizing the Bible, correcting the Bible, corrupting the Bible, telling you it should have said something different, telling you it should be a better translation. Don't you let those guys do that to you, Timothy. You pastor that church and you give them the doctrines that was once delivered unto you. Amen. I'll tell you, it just, an old preacher said one time, if it's new, it ain't true. Now, let's keep it going. He said there, he said they don't even know where they affirm. I mean, just think about this. Oh, okay. Uh, that should have been a different word according to you. Yes, it should have, been, should have been translated differently. Okay, where do you get that basis at? From the Greek. Which Greek? No, here's what they tell you. I want to show you how they lie to you. From the original. Boy, that sounds so learned. See, most of them know that 99.9 people can't read Greek or Hebrew and they wouldn't have a clue whether you said right or not. But boy, that sounds learned. Okay, so which Greek? Uh, the Alexander text. Oh, okay. Or this Greek over here, this Greek over here, this Greek manuscript over here, this Greek manuscript. So which one? When, and here's a professor over here who says, no, 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 you got the wrong one. They'll wait. And you know what? Pretty soon they'll say, you can't really know. You can't really know that God says anything means anything. You know what they've done to you at that point? They stole your faith. That's just, it, it's the same principle of teaching evolution to our children. If God lied in Genesis 1-1, then John 3-16 is a lie. If God lied in Genesis 1-1, Revelation 20-15 that you just read a while ago, whosoever's name not written in the Lamb Book of Life is a lie. Yep. How can you believe any of it? Right. If you're going to pick and cherry, cherry pick about what's right, what's wrong, you, neither whereof they affirm. Let me tell you something right now. You can like this or lump it. You can say I'm stupid hillbilly, redneck, call me what you want to. Right here is where I affirm. Amen. Right here is where I affirm. Amen. It is God's eternal, everlasting word. Amen. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word shall not pass away. Amen. He said he preserved the words at S forever. Amen. And I affirm this right here. Amen. 
It's not what I think. It's not my opinion. It's what the Bible says. And that's when America was strong, when the preachers used to get up and say, the Bible says, the Bible said, the Bible said, God's word says. And that's what people don't like. because They don't don't like the affirmation is talking about authority. You better set up and pay attention. You're going to stand before them Almighty. It's appointed unto men wants to die. After this, the judgment. Repent or perish. He said this. If you don't repent, he said, you'll perish. That means you turn from your sin. You turn. You just don't say a little sweet little prayer. Oh, dear Jesus, save me. And then go on out and live your stupid lifestyle. You repent. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Turn. Now, I'm a preacher. If you don't like that kind of preaching, I'm sorry. But I'll tell you, I, I'm too far down the road chains for you now. And I affirm that's not Reggie Kelly telling you to repent. It's God Almighty telling you to repent. Amen. It's the blood that makes the atonement for the soul. It's not your prayer. It's not your baptism. It's Christ's blood that was shed for you and died in your place that makes the atonement for your soul. Now, he said they can't even affirm it. Now, look at verse number 8. But we know, well, that's an amazing word, isn't it? We know. <laughs> I mean, according to the scribes and the Pharisees, you can't know nothing. According to religion, you can't even know you're saved. But we know that the law is good if a man use it how? Lawfully. How do you use law lawfully? It has to agree with the Word of God. The entire Word of God has to be rightly divided. I don't know how, where, who these people are, but I made an old, I, I mean, it was, it was New Year's Eve, and I was up Mountain Grove, and, and all of a sudden hit me to do a little clip. And I went out and found on the side of the road, I found me a, a Bud Light, a, a Bud Light, I think that, is it, it's the light colored ones, right? It's not the blue ones. Which one's the blue ones? Some of you guys drink, tell me which one's the right one. <laughs> anyway, I, I found this beer can, and I got me some gloves. <laughs> no, I got some beer can, I made a clip. Some people's going to die tonight, and, and that's true. New Year's night, to get drunk, somebody's going to have a wreck, somebody's going to die. Well, I man, I think it's three or four or five years old. And it's been circulating around. This guy got on there yesterday, and he's supposed to be a really, I mean, he's super-duper Christian. He's telling me how I'm nothing but a legalist, and I'm putting weights on people that they can't bear, and I'm preaching against liquor. And I said, you know something? I never said a word about this, that you not drinking liquor is going to save you. What I'm talking about is drinking liquor is going to kill people. That's what I'm talking about. But they tell you see how he flipped? He flipped the narrative. That's what happens to you. That's how the devil gets you. You see, you know what uh, uh, Satan did with Eve? He flipped the narrative on her. There's nothing new under the sun. And I'm telling you, you better get your head on straight about this thing. He said there, use them lawfully. I'll be honest with you. America, not only, we'll we'll say amen to abortion, that the law has been used unlawfully. We'll say amen to same-sex marriage, sodomy, pornography, but we won't in divorce law. That's just a fact. See, we pick and choose our laws that we want to obey too. What about slavery? Oh, you can go back there and talk about slavery all you want to in the Old Testament, but I want to tell you something. You can't love your neighbor and want to keep him in bondage. God made provision for slavery, and it was a judgment upon people. And he gave, and he gave specifications of how that was to be done. Let me tell you how, how much slavery is in the Bible. He sent the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, into slavery because of their turning away from his word and embracing Baal religion. 
So don't talk to God about slavery. See, I get people that comment on Facebook all the time. Your God believes in slavery. Your God believes in the man killing his daughter. She don't do this, blah, blah, blah. But don't take the whole counsel of God into it. Let me tell you something. The laws of God are good. And if they were implemented, we'd have a lot better country to live in. There was a time you didn't have to lock your doors in this this part of the country. But he said, if a man use it lawfully. Uh, Put on Psalms 94, verse 20 and 21, if you don't. Now, here's what I want to get on this thing. Liberalists and socialists, your progressives, are self-righteous. Everybody listen to me now. Listen to me. I want you to get this because you're hearing it on MSNBC, and I hope you don't watch that trash. CNN, I hope you don't watch that trash. But if you watch these liberal shows, they're going to, they make themselves to be, the, watch this, the arbitrators of what's moral and what's right. And if you don't agree with them, you're a wicked American. See, like right now, you're not vaccinated. You're not vaccinated. You're, you're killing people. You're killing people. You're, cause, you're the problem in the nation. It's exactly how they're doing it. See, if you don't, they're the moral arbitrators, not the Bible. They are. So if they say to get vaccinated, they're the elites. They tell you how to live, what to do, and how to think, and what to do. And they tell you what's wrong. You see, some of them say, well, a rape is, yeah, but it's, not, but it's not wrong to kill a baby in the womb. And now it's not wrong for sodomy. It's not wrong for see, adultery, whatever it is. It's whatever they decide that they want to make wrong and whatever they say is right is right. The Bible has nothing to do with it. They hate the word of God. And so now they're flipping everything upside down to make you think you're bad if you just don't go along with whatever they come up with this week. That's why, watch this, this church's name, Liberty Faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the Word of God. Your life needs to be run by the Bible. What the Bible says is what you know and believe and affirm. And everything else, throw it out. That's just the honest truth. And if you don't, they'll have you on your knees kissing their feet, licking their big toenail. That's right. They want everybody in this country to bow to them. No, they don't want equal rights. You're out there in Colorado. The queers run people out of business out there. If, you're, if you're, he had a business out there, stood against sodomy, and they attacked his business. They went, on my, they went on my auction Facebook page and made all kind of comments out of San Francisco and everywhere else across the house. Such a rotten guy couldn't, couldn't sell a sale, and this guy did, did my sale. And they lied their guts out on my Facebook page. Queers did, sodomites, your gays. They're the biggest pack of liars this nation's ever seen. They're vile and they're vicious. You know who, Ga- you know who Gacy was? Anybody remember him? John Wayne Gacy, Chicago. What they don't want to tell you is he was a burned out sodomite. And he lured 31 boys into his house. Chained them up. Tortured them beyond description. You wouldn't want to hear he was a blown-out sodomite. Yep. No, that's not supposed to be reported in the news. He just killed a bunch of boys. They dug 28 bodies out from underneath his house. 28 bodies. That was in 1982. He was a full-fledged sodomite. We should have picked up on that. They're vicious, buddy. When they told a lot, you do, it'll do worse to you than we was going to do to your daughters. Read the book of Judges about what the sodomites did over there. 
And I'm going to tell you something. There ain't a sodomite in this nation going to tell this preacher how to think. Amen. And you don't either. And I'm sick of being told every week that you know, they got all these names they throw at you and the descriptions they throw at you to intimidate you and to make you feel like you're uh, all the time. I'm cowboy. On, uh, uh, where cowboy? Oh, come on, cowboy. Why don't you come out of the dark ages? You know what a guy put on this morning? He said, I bet you've got a noose back there in your wilderness, too. You still hang people. I'm glad I'm ringing their bell. Amen. <laughs> Ring their bell. Amen. Another guy said, this guy ought not be allowed on Facebook. I'm going to guarantee you one thing. I'll be on there till God Almighty takes me off. He opens and closes and he closes and opens. And I don't tell you, nobody can do anything about it. And if God allows him to shut me down, it'll be God allowing it and it'll be fine. Well, let's look at it. It said in verse number nine, I got to get out of here. Knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous men, but for the law and disobedient. Now, who's the law made for? Who's the law made for? The lawless and disobedient. Now, who is the lawless? That's a person don't want any, they ain't no way to tell me what to do. I'm not going to live by the law. That's what you got with defund the police, Antifa, BLM right now. That's lawless. And the law was made for them and they don't like the law. The disobedient. Now listen to me. God says to obey is better than sacrifice. Did you? I'm going to tell you something. God said, for Satan, not the assembly of yourselves together as a man or some is. And that's true. But I'm going to be honest with you. God, whether you obey the Bible, then just come to church every Sunday. Amen. Disobedience is the second thing mentioned in this long list of stuff right here. First of all is lawlessness. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. I'm a law unto myself. Don't preach to me about this. Don't tell me what the Bible says to do or don't do. I'm a law unto myself. Nobody tells me what I'm going to do. God, nobody. Second of all, if you do, I'm, going to, I'm not going to obey it. Disobedient spirit. Look at the next thing. The ungodly. Now, I want to say something to you right now. When it says back there in verse number nine that the law, it, it says, is not made for a righteous man. You better get that one down good in your heart. The law is not made for a righteous man. I'm going to tell you why. Because he's under a different law, Romans 8, 2. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Oh, I'm going to give you something good. How many members of the book of Esther? Boy, I'm going to tell you what a book. I'd like to preach through Esther again. In chapter 3 of Esther, Haman got the king to put out a decree and sent postal service. What we're doing with these things, sending out postal, is biblical. In the book of Esther, they sent out a written letter with a decree of death on it. Watch this. Decree of death. Sent it through 127 provinces. From uh, India to Ethiopia. You know, we're talking about a long, 2,700 mile scope, okay? They mailed it out. They sent post. Read your Bible. Postal service comes from the Bible. Posts who are delivering written messages to people. That's where it comes from. Okay, now, in chapter 3, they sent a decree out that all the Jews were to be killed. And guess what? The law of the Medes and Persians could not be nullified. Could not be stopped. In other words, could, you couldn't overturn it. It was decreed. In chapter 8 and chapter 9, after Haman is hung, Esther and Mordecai gets the king 
to send a second postal delivery out. And it was a decree of life. Watch this. First one was Old Testament. The second one was New Testament. Watch this here. The wages of sin is death has never been overturned. But there's a law higher than it. Amen? Amen. See, sin, sin, God didn't say, well, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to know the law of sin and death. No, he didn't do that. It's still there. But he made a law higher. And it's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And watch this. When you get saved, it's a law written on your heart by the Holy Ghost that you don't need anybody to tell you not to kill. Because you love people and you don't want to kill. You don't need anybody to tell you not to steal. You don't need anybody to tell you not to lie. There's somebody living inside you with the power. And by the way, may I say that when judicial righteousness is imputed to a person by faith in Christ, that judicial righteousness that's been imputed to you by faith will live itself out in practical righteousness in the way you live. And if it doesn't, you never got saved. How many here believe that God will impute his righteousness and then just live like hell? Uh-uh. Judicial righteousness that's imputed to you by faith in Christ will emanate itself out in practical obedience. And you don't need the law. If they never wrote Ten Commandments, it wouldn't make any difference because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is ruling and you don't want to kill, you don't want to lie, you don't want to rape, you don't want to commit adultery. I'm telling you right now, that's where the church is. That's the gospel, the effect of the gospel. This is what Paul's trying to get Timothy to do. Get out of that low life. Rise up in the life of Jesus Christ. And it's only done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth, watch this phrase, frameth mischief by a law. That's what abortion is, same-sex marriage, all this junk is, is that those in authority frame mischief by, watch this, and God says when that happens, they gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. God says every time they start taking my law and using it unlawfully, he'll wind up killing innocent people. And that's exactly what it's done. Well, let's go through the list and get out of here. Here we go. He said it's made for the lawless, for the disobedient, for the ungodly. Ungodly are those people that they're without God. Okay? They're without God. Bible talks about in Ephesians 2. For sinners, that's transgressions of God's law. For unholy, that's those who are unclean and vile. Let me just tell you, just to be honest with you, country western music is vile and unclean. Rock and roll music is vile and unclean. Rap music is vile and unclean. It's unholy. There are ways you can dress that are unholy. Then it says profane. That means outside the realm of God. Profane means outside the holy. Profane means away from God. Here's what it is. They want their life lived outside of the influence and the power of God. They want to live a life on their own without the influence of God. That's profane. It, it, it actually means without the temple, without the compound of the temple. Profane. And it means to live a life. You want to live a life. This is what the law is made for people who do not want God to run their life. Then he says this, 
the murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers. My dad used to say this. There's more than one way to kill a man. You can kill him with your words and your actions. And I believe there's more dying parents who've been killed by actions and words and deeds than there is. And then the next thing it says, manslayers. It's people who kill people, whether it be abortion or any other way. Then the next thing God says the law is made for is whoremongers. That's immorality. I want you to look carefully at the next one. For them that defile themselves with mankind. Anybody get a guess who that means? That's your perversion, sodomite, transgender garbage that's going on. Men stealers. People who steal people and put them in slavery. Sex trafficking. All that kind of stuff. Liars. I want to remind you of something. God says that liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth forever and ever. Revelation 21, verse number 8. For perjured persons, that's people that lied under oath. They said they were telling the truth and promised to tell the truth, but they weren't. I hate to tell you this. You went up, you walked up that aisle, you stood before that judge or that preacher and said, till death do me part. That was under oath. You better be glad for some blood. You better be glad for the mercy of God. I'm just telling you. That's what the law is for. God wants to keep our marriages together. Homes together. And if there be any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine, God says, you know what? I'm going to give you a list, but this list is not complete. And if it's anything that doesn't match the spirit, the letter, and especially the spirit of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's who the law was for. And that's why... To be effective in the ministry, watch this, Timothy. You're going to have to preach the law first, bring the guilt of God, the realization of their need for a Savior, and then preach the gospel, the good news that Jesus died, and you can be saved freely and forever. And this is why he says the next verse. Look at the next verse. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. You see, people don't just to be told what the law is and how that they're sinners. They need to be told they can be saved and forgiven. And God's purpose is not to condemn. He said, I didn't come. Watch this. He said, I didn't come to condemn, but to save. And Jesus wants to save you. God wants to save you. He doesn't want to just condemn you and tell you all you're doing wrong. And I'm going to tell you something right now. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Aren't you glad we can be forgiven? If you're here today, I want to give you the glorious gospel. Is that Jesus Christ, God's son, come down to this earth, born of a virgin, conceived in the womb of Mary. Lived an absolutely sinless, perfect life. Never sinned one time in thought, deed, word, or action. And then was placed upon that cross as the Lamb of God. A sacrifice and a substitute in your place for your sin. And died in the sinner's place. That's the gospel. He took my place. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day, not only so that my sins could be paid for, but that I could be given eternal life. That's the good news. You don't have to die and go to hell. He said, listen to me carefully. He didn't come to condemn you. You're condemned already. He came to save you. And I hope today that if you're not saved, you will receive the only hope that there is. Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I hope today this, that you'll keep lined out and your head straight and your heart straight about what's right and what's wrong. 
And don't let the devil's crowd confuse you about where you stand about things. Okay. Can I tell you something? Let me just say this in closing. And I'm not, if you're here today in, in this building and you're lost, I'm going to be here for a little while. If you say, hey, I'm serious about being saved. I'd like, I've got some problems bothering me, some hurdles, whatever. I'm going to stay here for a few minutes. You come and I'll visit with you about your salvation. But I'm going to give you something. <clears throat> Slavery in America was horrible. I don't, you cannot paint slavery out to me to be anything but horrible. Yeah. Listen to me very well. I'm going to tell you why we're, why we're having trouble and why the sins of the fathers are visited upon the children in the third and fourth generation. You don't hardly ever see him. Brother Marcus, you may be watching, but I wish I wished he was here right now. You don't hardly see a black person in America that's really, truly African. Most of them are mixed. You know how they got mixed? By their slave owners, raping the young girls. They didn't have no choice about it. They were owned like either be raped or be whipped or sold off from your family. And there are records, literal records, family records of the children that were born of that. And they called them mulettos, mulattos. M-U-L-A-T-T-O's. And let me just say something to you. That put a seed of bitterness in the black population of this nation. It's hard to get over. Believe me, when the Bible talks about men stealers here, what we're talking about, those people were stolen away from their countries. Can you imagine being a 15-year-old boy or a 10-year-old boy stolen away from Africa from your mom and dad never see him again? Put on a slave ship, treated like worse than a dog. Stripped naked, sold on an auction block. Chains around your feet. Maybe you grow up and get married. You have a little girl. She's your heart's everything that you live for. She gets to be 13 years old and the master rapes her. It's bad business. Now, we fought a war over it in the end. It wasn't about that to start with. And there's a deeper cause of the, confe- of the Confederacy, and that was states' right and the Constitution. Whether you like, I don't care whether you like that or not. But slavery was an injected, big, powerful force into that. And there were 600 and some thousand men died in that war. So don't talk to me about reparations. If you're going to give reparations, we can go along with it if you'd like to. I'm talking about some real stuff here that when you're dealing with these issues, you also need to understand where some people are coming from. And here's what's happening. Your communist, socialist professors and instructors in these colleges are fueling the fire of black people, black students who come in and telling them that these white people were white supremacists. And they, you know, I want to tell you something. A nation that had 600 and some thousand men, did you hear me? I said 600 and some thousand men, more men than we've lost in all of the wars, died over this thing. And you're telling me that we're all a bunch of white. And by the way, can I say something really stupid? Does anybody know the political party that wrote, that, that, that came up and actually was the impetus for getting rid of slavery? The Republican Party. I'm going to tell you something flat out, and I'm just going to say this. The Democrat Party, a stinking, filthy, out-of-hell mess called the Democrat Party, has done nothing but transfer the plantation. And they took the blacks from off of the southern plantations and put them in their northern slums. 
And if you don't like that, I'm... So when you're watching all your Democrat Pelosi and you think all those people are good people, they're nothing but modern day slaveholders. And they'll feed them people enough candy to keep them on their side and voting for them. If you ain't got enough sense to see through that, I'm done. Let's stand. Let's go home. I'm in the flesh now.